You're listening to Welcome to Eloma, a podcast for highly ambitious dreamers who get shit done. I'm your host, Kylie Peters. This is a space where we talk about writing a must read. So many entrepreneurs are interested in writing a book, whether it's for lead generation or thought leadership or to get on stage for speaking engagements, you name it. There are plenty of reasons to want to get published. Maybe ego plays a role in that. Who knows? Um, But one thing that we need to consider when we publish something is that it stays in the world forever. And I think sometimes we forget that, right? So today's guest goes deep into the structure of writing a quote-unquote must-read so that the work that you do that lives on forever you're proud of and and you're not producing mediocre content, right? We're definitely focused on quality over quantity here. Uh, I met today's guest as part of the Heroic Public Speaking Program with Michael and Amy Port. And when I heard she was the lead writing instructor, game over. Um, I take great pleasure in introducing AJ Harper, an editor and publishing strategist who helps authors write transformational books that enable them to build readership, grow their brand, and make a significant impact on the world. As a ghostwriter and developmental editor, she has worked with hundreds, hundreds of authors from newbies to New York Times bestsellers with millions of copies sold. She's a right-hand lady to all of Mike Michalowicz's business books, such as Profit First, Pumpkin Plan, Clockwork, you name it. And in 2022, finally, she released her own book that we've all been waiting for, how to write a must read. Welcome to Eloma AJ. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, all right. So AJ, I, I think I know the answer to this, but for all of our readers or not read, we're, we'll talk about readers and listeners, but for all of our listeners today, talk to me about what was your intention in writing, write a must read, how to write a must read. So I teach a workshop for authors who are writing prescriptive nonfiction books that are designed to help a person make some aspect of their work or life better. And uh, I teach that workshop a couple times a year to just 30 new students. And that's not a lot of folks. So I realized if I want to make it easier for authors to write a truly remarkable book that helps them realize their vision and make real change in the world. I need to make my methodology more accessible. So that was the real reason was just to democratize that content so that even if you didn't have 27 bucks to buy the book, you could still get it from your library and write a better book. So that was the real, the real goal I had. Yeah. And as you launched this puppy into the world, Um, how are you feeling about having this live? I mean, I know you talk about, you talk about it a lot in your book about the process you went through to write it. So on the other side of this, how are you feeling about things? I'm so happy that I did it. Uh, It was not something I wanted to do until I finally realized (laughs) until I've, I'd been asked for a long time to write a book about writing a book. And the reason is I, was very specifically focused on helping thought leaders get their work out. Sure. Not um, so I have created this methodology that I mentioned. It's really a craft and an approach to writing these books. Mm-hmm. And um, so people had asked me to share it, 
And, uh, I, but I didn't want to do it. It just, it didn't appeal to me until I, for the reason I just shared with you, realized that I needed to help more people. So the fact that it is helping more people is fantastic. I hear from readers all the time um, that they f- finally have a way of crystallizing what they want to do. And that's, uh, that's everything to me. I'm just, I want better books. I want better books in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with so much content being created and everybody and their mom can create content, right? So focusing on quality, I think is something that is beneficial to many of us. (laughs) Yeah. Not just quality, but, um, in that type of book that's designed to help somebody make some sort of improvement in their lives mm-hmm. or work needs to deliver on that. Yeah. So it has far reaching ripple effects. It's not just what it does for the author, but it's how it really helps a reader. And, um, and that is, there's a specific craft to making sure your book delivers on its promise. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when you do that, everything opens up. If you're an entrepreneur that cares about that and you write a book, that actually acts as what it's going to do, uh, that is a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. And you you talk about that a lot in your book, um, which I want to dive into in just a second here. But as we're talking to so many people listening are entrepreneurs and they may be listening because they shockingly want to write a book. Um, what is it that you really want entrepreneurs who are looking to become published authors? What is the biggest thing that you really want them to know or to think about when it comes, when they're thinking about this journey? Well, I think for entrepreneurs, it's easier to explain it in terms of ROI, you know? (laughs) That's a great angle. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so any book you write is going to elevate whatever you're doing. So even if you write a book really fast and you don't pay as much attention to the content, you just quote unquote, get it out there. Right. Which I hear all the time. Yep. It's still going to help. It's going to help raise your profile because people think, you wrote a book, you must be an expert. Great. But the thing is, we have landfills worth of books like these that actually people don't read. If you really want what a book can offer, so that is exponential growth, exponential reach, where your whole life drastically changes for the better because people are talking about your book and feel compelled to reach out to you, you need a book that's great. So the ROI on any book is okay. But if you want that catapult mm-hmm. into um, whether it's becoming a speaker or raising speaking fees or massive lead gen or whatever you're trying to do, I've got authors I work with that it's more about the mission that they care about. They're really trying to change mm-hmm. things in their industry or their community. Um, you need a book that's so good and helpful, people talk about it and recommend it to others. And that won't happen if A, they don't buy it, B, they don't read it. (laughs) And then there's more steps along the way, Mm -hmm. but you want them to actually finish it and then see some sort of change because when that happens, they'll talk about it forever. Yeah. And and you you do talk about this a lot in the book, and you already mentioned it a moment ago, but one of the biggest things that you talk about is the importance of delivering on the promise that the author is making to the reader, mm-hmm. right? And um, so as a marketer myself, I have created many avatars and many audience personas, but 
I took special note of the way you broke down reader profile mm-hmm. in how to write a must read um, because I think it's so brilliant. You know, so many different, there's a lot of different structures here. Um, but I think the way that you break it down is so, so brilliant. So talk to me about the importance of getting clear and creating that reader statement and how you craft, how, how that is so impactful in the way that you then look at and, and build the rest of the book. Sure. So if you're writing a book that's designed to help someone, you have to know who that someone is. Yeah. And it's not an avatar, like in a marketing avatar, it's mm-hmm. just boils down to two crucial things what a person wants and what they perceive is standing in the way. And this is where we, this is where it can be a blend of demographics. So an avatar has a lot of, um, you know, it's like a dating profile, you know, it's, it's um, age range and income level and Mm -hmm. none of that really matters. Ultimately we're talking hearts and minds. So people are nervous to settle on a reader because they think it's going to be too limiting, Mm -hmm. but it's actually, better when things are more specific, when you speak to a person's heart and mind, what are they wanting and what they perceive as standing in the way? And what they want could be something they want to gain or something they want to lose, you know, could be something they want to be finished with. Um, Grief, for example, they would like to move on with their lives Um, or something they want to gain, such as a new income level or uh, to scale their business or if it's or a personal relationship, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But they have a perception of what is standing in the way. And if you don't understand what their perception is, we, t- we tend to jump immediately to what we think is standing in the way. Yeah. But this is the hardest thing for the authors I work with. I keep having to re- bring them back, bring them back, bring them back. Because we're way down the road from our reader. And mm-hmm. so we can't really connect in the same way until we get back to where are they starting from. Yeah. So if you're going to write a book that delivers on its promise and speaks to a reader, you've got to know what they want and what they perceive as standing in the way. And then what you know is standing in the way, well, that's the book. Yes. But if you can't communicate with their perception, Mm -hmm. then they don't feel like you get them. They might give your book a kind of try. Yeah. But if they can see themselves on the first page, where you are honoring their experience and they feel like you get them, well, they're going to keep turning it. They're going to turn the page. Yeah. And I mean, that ties so closely to the promise, right? And, and the core message. So we talk about if you're going to write a book that delivers on the thing that you say you're going to deliver on, one, get super clear on who your audience is and you're talking about their heart and their mind, but then also getting really clear on the core message because I'm sure you've run into this with many, many authors oh, I have everything in the kitchen sink that I just want to help people with, right? So what are some of the challenges that you typically see authors struggle with when it comes to nailing down that core message? Sure. And to be clear, most authors, uh, even published authors, have a hard time answering these questions. Yeah. So (laughs) you can do yourself a massive favor by taking the time to get this right in the beginning. And also I've worked with a lot of publishers who, when I send them authors, they're always so grateful because their author, authors who worked with me say, this is my reader. This is my core message. This is my book's promise. And that is knowing your reader is some, such a huge part of not just writing and editing the book, but how you position it in the marketplace, 
and yeah. how a publisher understands how many books they can sell and how the sales team works to sell those books. So it's you can't really skip the step. But core message is probably the hardest. It's um, tough. It's very yeah. tough. It's really yeah. tough. I put a really strict, rigorous test to it. So core message is the foundational truth of your book on which everything rests. Yep. So it's not everything, but it's the main thing. So in my book, Write a Must Read, the core message is a book is not about something. It's for someone. Mm -hmm. When you understand that, then I can help you with the rest. And the, Mm -hmm. the thing about core message is most people think it's a tagline it's uh, like, just do it or something like that. <laughs> or it's a mission statement or it's an elevator yeah. pitch or they often mix the promise up with it. But it's just the fundamental truth. Mm-hmm. The rigorous part is, can a person make a change if that's all they ever hear? Can a person make a change if they only hear the mm-hmm. core message? Yeah. That's what makes it really hard. So can your reader, so first is reader. You don't skip to core message. You always start with, can your reader start to change? And that's not the whole change. It's not the whole happily ever after. It's just, can they start to change if they hear it and they never read the book or talk to you or anything? So that's what makes it hard because you have that. Yeah, that's a doozy. Yeah. So, so, oh, go ahead. So for mine, you can. Yeah. If you just make a, if you just would just acknowledge that a book is, if you shift your mindset, Mm -hmm. oh, wait, I'm not writing about anything. I'm writing for someone. Actually, a lot changes. Even if that's all you do is remember that every day. Well, and you talk, you, you say that phrase many times in your book. And I know when I read it, I was like, it felt like a permission. It felt like, um, like, like it was like, oh, ah, deep breath. Like, oh, I'm just writing this one book for this one person. Oh, that, like, not to say like, that's not so hard, but like, oh, that feels more accessible, mm-hmm. maybe. And that was your, that, that was part of your change. Another change is yeah. when you write for someone, you always have an answer to your question. Does the story go in my book? Does this... Mm-hmm. Teaching point go in my book. Should I do this exercise? Should I ask them to take this action? I don't know. Is that what they need? Yeah. Um, It also helps you stay the course when you're dealing with inner critic stuff because it's not about you. Yep. About them. So then you're writing in service. It's easier to kick the troll to the curb. It's a lot. It does a lot. It's a a packs a punch. But you. You can, that's why I have it on the back of my book so that even if someone just picked up the book and didn't buy it and just read that one message, they could still write a better book. I love that. That's what's hard is you got to get to that. Yeah. And I love like, again, but it also is a testament to you and in your mission and and being of service to all these other potential authors, the fact that you even put it on the back of your cover for the reason that you just said is like so selfless. It's just like, I really am here to help. Yes. That's that's so thoughtful. That I've got, okay, that's giving me ideas. 
Our Defining Success Workshop series is so much more than just a business workshop. This three-day intensive is a carefully curated exercise in finding clarity in the now, which includes your personal and professional goals. We have four expert speakers that will guide you through what typically takes years to accomplish in just three days' time and will save you roughly $100,000 in investment while we're at it. This will be the best ROI you'll ever make. I pinky promise. Sign up for one of our four Defining Success workshops taking place at Hotel Metro in Milwaukee this year. You can register at rixrixworkshops.com and keep in mind, space is limited. So, okay, we talk about the importance of core message and how it's so hard, right? We talked about how um, it's necessary to think about this is for someone, not about something, right? And how that can help bring us back to um, our guiding truths, right? For anybody else who's like having difficulty, like nailing down their core message, any other tips or words of advice on how to approach this? Uh, well, okay. Start with reader. Mm-hmm. And there, you, you mentioned the reader statement. So this is an exercise that I take people through in my workshop, but it's also in the book. And it's like Mad Libs. It has four blanks that you fill out. So it's I'm writing four and that's your demographic and it could actually just be people. Mm-hmm. Just so we're clear. Maybe it's more specific like entrepreneurs or stay-at-home parents or um, people returning to college, right? Sure. But it could just be people. It really could. It doesn't mean your book is for everyone because the next part is where it gets specific. Yeah. Who want? So the want is the fill-in. Yeah. And then... But they, but they are struggling with is their perception of why they can't mm-hmm. have it, and what they really don't, what they don't realize is mm-hmm. they're also dealing with something, or they're really dealing with something. So sometimes it's a really situation, meaning you're just wrong, and sometimes it's hey, there's other thing I want you to consider. That last piece is the beginning of core message. Yeah, it's so good. Like, yeah. And again, like I've gone through so many exercises, nailing down audiences, but I love that your twist on it, uh, who, who feel like, like this is the thing that's stopping them, but this is what's really in their way or in addition to, yeah. like, and, and that I think also gives, um, it, it's, it's like shared accountability to the author, mm-hmm. like, oh no, it's time you step up. You can see what they can't see you got to do something about this. Right. So I love that. Yeah. And it also honors the fact that they do feel it's this one problem. Yeah. You don't want to ever say it's not that, you know, you want to honor that and respect that that's their experience. Receive that Mm -hmm. a little yes. And action here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then additionally in the book, you talk about part of We kind of touched on this a little bit, but you talk about part of um, deciding what needs to be in the book and using like content as a filter to make sure you're honoring your core message. Um, You talk about editing, you talk about content filters, which Mm -hmm. I thought was so great. So talk to us a little bit about the importance of filtering your content and how to go about that and why it's so important for authors to uh to take on and adopt this lens uh because not everything goes in the book and when we are focused on the book being an extension of ourselves 
when it's about this thing or it's my book and my life's work and my everything. Yeah. We put stuff in we don't need to put in. It's not helping them. So the mm-hmm. when you have a reader statement, a core message, and then the third fundamental that's required is a promise you can deliver. Mm-hmm. When you have those three articulated, that then it's cake. You just ask yourself, will this content help me connect to that reader? Will this content help support my core message? And will this content help me deliver on my promise? And if you can get one yes, then maybe it goes in. But if you can't, it for sure doesn't. Mm-hmm. So even when my students hear this over and over from me like a broken record, they'll still <laughs> ask me in workshop, well, I don't know if I sh- should I have an action step in every chapter? And I'll say, well, does your what does your reader need? Yeah. Does your reader need all those? Or what did what would actually be helpful? It's always the answer, it's always the go-to, then you can always get your answer, but we don't trust it. Mm. So part of the problem with writing a book, especially when it's your first time, is that we don't trust ourselves 98% of the time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who's going to read this? Who's going to care? Who am I to write this? What was I thinking? We have big ideas. Then we sit down to write and it feels like it's just like sawdust coming out. The cure for it is just using that filter to decide what goes in your book and what else you might need to go in your book. Mm-hmm. And that's why those fundamentals are crucial. So most people skip those fundamentals, mostly because they don't know they need them. Sure. Or because they think they can just write an avatar or a general sort of idea of what their book's about and then move forward. But no, if you have those things in place, then you can answer any question you have about your book on your own. So this just makes me think that like, if people are truly following this process, I can imagine that you'd be starting to write a book and then you have all this like miscellaneous content that starts to get filtered out. And then like, I could almost imagine people starting to like, oh, well, that'll be my next book and this will be my next book. Like how often does that happen? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you mentioned Mike McCallitz earlier. Mike has... Still, I mean, doesn't matter how many we write, he always has another 25 he wants to do. So <laughs> he's done a lot. Yeah, we do one every year. We're actually getting, we just booked our next retreat. So whenever we start a book, we do a retreat together for about two days. Okay. And he'll say, this is what I think I want, we should work on and we'll kick, we'll kick around. And by the end of the retreat, we'll have the next book we're doing. Oh my God. The, I didn't realize it was one every year. That's so exciting. That's oh, yeah. yay for us. <laughs> we're in uh, copy edits now. We're about to get copy edits on a book that comes out in January. Okay. Of 2024. Okay. So we're starting another one now that will be a 2025 book. Well, yay for all of us entrepreneurial <laughs> nerds who love reading your work. This Thanks. is exciting. So- <laughs> So we have content. Obviously, he can't write one book that covers all the things. Sure. So, you know, we always ask ourselves, what does the reader need next? This is another reason why you need to know who your reader is. Yeah. You know, you've written this one book. Now, what does this reader need? Yeah. And then you write the next thing. Yeah. And I think, again, I think that's a good reminder to listeners. You know, I come from a content marketing background and you know, we always talk about like, okay, we'll write the best piece of thing or create the best thing on this one specific topic that you possibly can. And it's a good reminder of somebody's coming to you 
for this one thing. Mm-hmm. Don't don't throw in all these other things because it's your, you know, marching to the beat of your own drum and have your own agenda. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. As as you said earlier, it's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you okay, I have a, another question. Do you have um when that process starts going? So so you're writing book, you're working on the outline, you're working on all the elements, et cetera. And then you start to realize, oh, this doesn't go here. This goes somewhere else. Do you have any recommendations on how to organize those miscellaneous thoughts so that they don't get lost in the atmosphere and, and fly away? Yeah, just just create a, a dump file that or several. Um, Mike has a very intricate system of all the different topics that he's interested in writing about. And he just dumps stuff that's interesting to him or that he thinks about into those specific folders. So you can do it in notes, Dropbox, Scrivener, Excel spreadsheet, doesn't matter. You can put so it So like a folder per topic and then just like dump whatever you find. It's a document. I mean, okay, it doesn't down. even have to be that complicated. Okay. You can get complicated if it, if you're a person who loves to label things and you love a super organized person you know, you might want a little more organization, but it's just creating a container and then dump your stuff in there without worrying how it all connects. All right. So yeah, just find a system that works for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, AJ, you've worked with, as we've talked about Mike McCallowitz quite a bit, uh, and you've worked with so many amazing authors that we know in the world of entrepreneurship. What a any additional advice do you have for those who are looking to become not just thought leaders, but bestsellers as, as they work on getting their ideas out into the world? I think people have to, um, I don't think people know what they mean when they say want to be a bestselling author. I don't think they really understand what that means. What does that mean? <laughs> and it's, there's different levels of being bestselling, you know? So there's, there's the big list like New York times, bestselling author, wall street journal, and then you go down the line, USA Today, et cetera. And then there's Amazon bestseller, which frankly, anyone can do it. You and I could write a book right now. You could take the transcript from this call, turn it into a book, put it up on Amazon and be an Amazon bestseller by Saturday. Um, so okay. it's really it's really not hard. <laughs> there's a system that you can follow. It's not even a mystery. It's just so I think sometimes people see that and they want that, but that, that's totally attainable. That's not, it does, that doesn't translate to a lot of books actually. Okay. You have to decide, do I want to be a bestseller because this is an ego thing for me? Do sure. I want to be a bestseller because I want to say that forever because it raises my speaking fees or my other profile? It takes a lot of effort to get on the New York Times list or the Wall Street Journal list. You know, you you could, you might need, 8,000, 20,000, somewhere in there, 8,000 to say 20, 25,000 books sold in your full pre-orders and then in the first week. So that's a monumental effort. Yeah. Um, You have to decide, is this something I care about that it really matters to me? I think what people should care about when it comes to bestselling is being a perennial bestseller, meaning a book that consistently sells and maybe even rises because you wrote a book people are talking about. Yep. Therefore, your second year sales should be better than your first year sales. Yeah. You wrote a great book. So we need to reframe how we think about bestseller and think about a book that becomes a classic mandatory reading in the genre. 
and that builds in sales. So, you know, I can say this without modesty and because Mike allows me to share it, but my royalty checks for the pumpkin plan go up every year. That book is, I don't even know, it's like 12 years old. Yeah. So that's what you want is you want to just keep steady selling and increasing versus say, because it's, it's lightning in a bottle to get New York Times bestseller. It's very, very hard. Sure. So if you're an entrepreneur and you are just starting out, let's set a goal of writing the best book possible and then creating a book that becomes a standard in your, you know, you got to read this book in your industry. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in terms of not just the launch, but what's your five-year plan for the book? Yeah. How do you plan to continue to sell it five years, even 10 years? And if you keep doing it, eventually it actually becomes this classic in your industry. It's just that most, what I find is that most authors give up too soon. They give up before they finish their book. They give up on their publishing plan because it takes too long. And then if they do manage to get their book to market, they give up on selling it. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of persistence there. Yeah, most of the people I know who are really successful in this industry, they're just kept showing up. I mean, that's the name of the game for most industries, right? Yeah, pretty much. You got to show up. Yeah, and for publishing, it's really true because they'll tell you all these crazy odds like it's a one in a million chance, but it's actually not. And the reason it isn't is because most people give up. I mean, it goes back to the, what is it, the Wayne Gretzky uh, quote, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yep. It's a great you gotta quote. show up. But it's more about the consistent action. So an author, you know, we you can't it's a pipe dream to say my book is right out of the gate, it's gonna be a New York Times bestseller and sell a hundred thousand copies right away. Like this, unless you're some sort of famous person, mm-hmm. that's just not happening. So instead, let's craft a game plan for how the book fits into your entrepreneurial world mm-hmm. and then how you can get that book out to as many people as possible over a period of time. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing, simple, and affordable podcast production agency. Hivecast has been instrumental in producing Welcome to Eloma, simplifying our workflow and making our lives so much easier. Their packages range from $500 to $1,000 a month to create audio, video, and marketing creative assets. They've saved us huge on both our bottom line as well as time spent. They also have a sister agency called Fireside, which offers marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, and so much more. And they're all at really reasonable prices for small business owners. The best part is that there's no contract. So you can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code ELOMACAST, E-L-O-M-A-C-A-S-T, and save 50% off your first month of services. Go ahead and give them a try. We have loved working with them. Okay, I'm sure the answer to this question is it depends, but forgive me, I just have to ask. So for, say, an average entrepreneur who's done all the right steps, they followed everything in your program, et cetera. They've launched their book. They, what is, what is an average to be expected in terms of sales in say year one, year two? There is no average. 
most book, it just is totally dependent on the um, type of book that you're writing. And also you, you're the one, you're the X factor. Um, So publishers are really like gamblers. You know, they know most books are going to fail. Most books, most authors don't earn out their advance. A huge percentage of books just end up destroyed, going to pulp. Um, It's, it's like gambling. And they know that they have to, it's not just the book. They have to make sure that the author can actually get out there and sell it. Yeah. And they know authors are going to give up. So <clears throat> sounds they, so depressing. <laughs> well, it's not actually because if you don't give up, it's can it he pays huge dividends. Huge. Yeah, that's a, that's a plan, right? It, it it honestly is as simple as let's write a great book that delivers. Let me tell as many people about it as possible over a period of time, and I will not give up on this book. Just commit to it. For sure. I'm not blowing smoke. I've seen it happen over and over again. It's just people are impatient with (laughs) want to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, if you most, uh, something like, I don't remember what the exact percentage is now, but less than 2% of books sell more than 2000 copies in totality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're doing more than that, you're doing great. So the average book sells, well, I shouldn't say average, but generally speaking, books sell 2,000 or fewer copies. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to go with averages, the average book sells less than 200 copies in its lifetime. But you can't go with averages because you're talking about a book like Spare, who's written by, um, uh, what's his name? Prince. What's the other one? Matt William. Oh, Harry. Uh, Harry. <laughs> Prince Harry wrote one of the best selling books of all time. It broke records in its first 24 hours. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> you've got that book on one end and then a self-published book that four people bought on the other. So when you yeah. get an average, you case is not. Yeah, there's not, not apples to apples by any no. means. No, so we can't look at those numbers. But um, if you can sell, say, 10, 15,000 copies of your book, um, you're doing fantastic and you can, I have, I work with authors all the time who have sold a lot of copies and you probably don't even know who they are, but they've sold tens of thousands of copies. All right. Just persistence. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, so AJ, you've been doing this for a long time. You're very, very good at what you do. Thank you. And, uh, I know we talked a lot about, you know, your goals and, and why you launched your book, et cetera. What impact do you want to make on the world or what legacy do you want to leave? I want authors to see that I want authors to feel empowered and have a way forward to write the book they envisioned they wanted to write, to write the book they're called to write. That's And the change I want to see in my industry is I want people to stop shortcutting everything. So I'm trying to change the way people talk about writing books as though it's um, just a marketing piece. I want people to have reverence for writing something transformational because there's very few things on earth that are more transformational than a book. And so I want us to write better books. That's my the change I want to see in the world. And I know that authors can do it if they just have a pathway forward 
And that's, that's what I'm trying to change. I love it. All right. My last question for you, dear, is what is your greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship? Oh, that's a, my greatest insight or discovery about life and entrepreneurship or, mm-hmm. or entrepreneurship. So like the two of them. Oh, combined? Yeah. There's usually people usually find like there's like these overlaps or like these great insights where the two connect. It's like, what is your greatest insight or discovery about these two things? I think that I learned in both life and entrepreneurship that all I need to focus on uh, the the big, big dreams that seem, you know, like what, who could, why would you think you could do that? I've done a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just focus on what's the next thing, right? So I do that in life and business. And I learned it probably through business, which is, okay, let me not worry about, I can think about the whole plan, but let me just, what's the next thing I could do? Maybe I can't actually climb that mountain, but okay. I could do this one other next thing. And that's how I've been able to build a lot of stuff. So just have have the big picture in mind, but just focus on the next step, the next thing that's right in front of you. Yeah, that's helped me the most and it works in life and business. I like it. I like it. Well, AJ, thank you so much for spending time with us and sharing your knowledge. For anybody who's listening and wants to learn more, where and how can they find you? Uh, at ajharper.com. And I'm on Facebook and bunch of the socials and LinkedIn is the primary social for entrepreneurs in business. And then uh, I do have a website also called writeamustread.com, which has a bunch of free things. So there you go. free stuff, you can go there. <laughs> awesome. And for all of our listeners, if you've enjoyed today's podcast as much as I have, please go ahead and leave a review wherever you're listening. And AJ, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us. I appreciate it. I loved being here. Thanks for having me. To continue learning how to better build your business and make your vision a reality, subscribe to the Welcome to Eloma email list at welcometoeloma.com.